Well, good morning, and welcome to the Christian Church of Festus Park. We are disciples of Jesus that build generational, transformational disciples of Jesus. I'm thrilled to be part of a family that gets to do that. Isn't it awesome? We see lives transformed, and we get to see God come alive in us. What an amazing thing. And, and part of that is what we're going to be talking about even uh, this series, why it's important that we take time to refresh that uh, God has called us to some really big things, and uh, we can't do those if we're exhausted and if we're, we're uh, emptied out and dry. God designed us, as we talked about last week, the, uh, the principle of stretch and release, how you design the entire universe, and, and we're part of this world that we're to work, but we are also to rest and refresh and to be filled. And the next three weeks, uh, today and there, and the next two after that, we're going to talk about how to do that. It's not very uh, deep theologically as far as the series goes. There's a lot of stuff that you're probably like, oh, yeah, we know that. But it's how to practice it. And just like what uh, Pastor Jesse was talking about, it, we can know all the great doctrine, but if we don't put it into our lives, if, it doesn't, if it's not part of our lives, it's not going to transform us, right? We don't enjoy the great things that God has for us. So that's why we're going to uh, pump the brakes just a little bit in these next three weeks. We're going to kind of drill down into how is it that we can practice refreshing in our life and in some significant ways. Today we're going to talk about time and that really goes back into our memory verse for this series, something that hopefully is a little familiar to you, uh, but if not, well, uh, here you go. It's one of the happiest verses in scripture uh, for us because it's where God tells you, yeah, hey, take a break, and uh, which is a good thing. So Exodus 31, 17 here, say it along with me, three, two, one. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Exodus 31, 17. All right, again. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Exodus 31, 17. All right, let's test ourselves. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Exodus 31, 17. Yeah, we know that. We've heard that verse in, in uh, our Bible studies, and, and ever since if you grew up in the church, you're like, oh yeah, God made the world in six days, seventh day, he rested. But he was refreshed in that day. There was a purpose for that day. It wasn't just time off for time off sake, because this is the way that God created us to be, to be refreshed. And so today we're going to talk about how do we become refreshed through our time and make time for refreshing. And really, that's what that passage was about. We call it the Sabbath, right? Because after this and, and in several other places in Scripture, uh, God tells us because he did this, he set a pattern for us to follow. Exodus uh, chapter 20, we have the Ten Commandments. In there, we read this, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. Oh, we're supposed to follow God's example. In fact, it goes on after that and says, and don't even make your animals work and don't make your employees work, right? Rest. Take a day off. And we get all weird about the Sabbath because we're Christians. We're New Testament people, so we don't have to abide by the Old Testament, you know. So, hey, let's just go, you know, worship idols and do what? That's stupid. God gave us something amazing. And it's based upon not the people of Israel, but upon the very design and how he created the universe. And when he called his people out from slavery, he said, let me show you something amazing. Here's a great way to live. 
in alignment with, with how I designed you. So you can live whole and rich and full lives. And so he gives us this amazing work. We don't take a Sabbath because we have to or go to hell. We take a Sabbath because without one, we're basically living in a hell. We are completely slaves to this broken and demonic world. We spend ourselves out, run ourselves into the ground, and, and get ground into dust. And God says there's a better way. There's a much better way. Now, like me, when I discovered that maybe a Sabbath is something that I should try or whatever, I had a couple of objections. And the first one is I don't have time for a Sabbath. Thank you very much, Jesus. I don't got time for that. Ain't no one got time for that. Right? There's stuff to do. There's always stuff to do. And remember we talked about last week how there's like three major buckets of, that suck in everything in our life, and the first one is survival. Right? And, and as bo- most people, entire world, all, everybody just spends all of their life, all of their money, all their time, all their talents are just surviving. But Jesus said, hey, I came to give you a better way. And there's more to that. And there's this whole other area called ministry where we pour our lives into eternal things and it's rich and it's full and it gives us purpose and it's so satisfying. But that's not the only other thing. There's also that extra area in our life which is just enjoyment. And do you know that God gives us rich lives so we can live over the overflow? Pagan can't even come. I can't even, can't even imagine that would happen. But God says this is, this is the way he designed us to live. And so one of the things we're going to talk about is, is that how do, we, how do we take a Sabbath? Because it's a wonderful concept out there, but if we say, well, I don't have time for it, that's the whole point. It's not just going to happen. It's not like you, you know, you're baptized, dunk, and all of a sudden, boom, God gave me an extra day. No. You have all the same days as you had before, but now you have a different way of life. And here's the thing, is that God has given everybody the same amount of time. Every single day, you have 24 hours. And you can't give those hours to anybody else, right? They're yours. And everybody on earth spends their 24 hours every single day. They don't have any change, nothing left over. It's like manna. And God has given you all the time you need to be faithful. Right? That's what he's done. And so the reality is not that we don't have time for a Sabbath. The reason is that we haven't really listened to him when he said, there are two things in here to keep the Sabbath. The first one is to remember it. Church, we're not supposed to forget the Sabbath like that was for some other people at some other time. Are you human? Are you part of God's creation? This is for us. And the second one is to keep it holy, which means you guard it. Right? You make it different than the other days. What are the other days? You work, that's what it says, right? You work on six days, you shall labor and do all, all your work. But on the seventh day, what makes it different? You don't work. This is not rocket science. Like I said, this is not theologically deep. But it is very incredible and practical and freeing when we practice it. So when I started to try to take a Sabbath, this is what happened. I heard a very convincing preacher who brought me great conviction, and then I ignored it because I was like, I don't have time for that. I'm doing important thing, like serving God's church, right? And then I read in my devotional as the Lord would work, and I read in a very convicting devotional writer put it in there, and I was like, oh. And so then I said, nope. I, I, I had all my excuses. I'm too busy doing God's work. 
to possibly take a Sabbath. He will give me the strength and all that, 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 right? And then, and then I was in a coaching network where I'm being discipled by brothers of, of, in the faith who pour into my life. And I tell them my thing, and they're like, you're taking a Sabbath. And I said, no, I'm too important for that. Now, these are guys, most of them mega churches, right? Lots of big things and all that. Some of them are, but they're all faithful. And uh, they laughed at me. Which is humiliating. Like, who do you think you are? Did you know that Jesus took a Sabbath? And he was building the church a little better than I was. Huh. That was convicting, too. So then I said, all right, I will take a Sabbath. And so I just decided on my own thing. I was like, God, I'm giving you the day. I'm just going to take a Sabbath right now. I'm going to do it. Do you know what happened that Sabbath day? Somebody died. Kid you not. And then I had to go over and be with the family and do all that because the devil tried to trip me up. It's not like you'd be like, sorry, God doesn't love you today, right? <laughs> That's how it works. And then the next week I tried to take a Sabbath and somebody had to move, right? And so then I was like, ah, oh, right? Every time I tried to take one, something big happened and I felt so thwarted. So I went back to my brothers who were discipling me and I said, help me with this. Because I realize I'm not good enough. And God, I understand he's given me all the time I need. Why is it that I can't take a Sabbath? And they said, well, because you're not budgeting the rest of your time appropriately. You see, and it says in six days you shall do all your work. I wasn't running my life in such a way that all my work could get done in six days. And so when the seventh day came around, I didn't have anything left. I was just pouring everything into survival. I needed to learn a skill that freed me up so I could intentionally remember and then guard and keep the Sabbath so it could be holy. And that's what we're going to call scheduling. And it's an ugly, not sexy word, but I'm sorry. But it is powerful. Do you understand that time, just like money, is a finite resource? Right? You only get so much. And this was made very uh, acute, uh, I was acutely aware of that this week. I was with my mom as we were standing in an ICU uh, over her husband's bed as he passed. We were, uh, we were staying there, and, and two weeks before that, he would never have thought that was going to be his last day. But I got to watch his last breath. I was there for his last heartbeat, that his time on this earth had finished. And, and he didn't get to choose the number of days or hours that he was going to live, right? And here's the crazy thing, is you don't get any inheritance for anything like that. It's not like somebody dies early, and then you get all the rest of the time for you. It's not how it works. Right? There, his time was his time, and it was done, it was done. And all the things that he did in his life, it happened in time. And you have time. Every breath, every minute, every second, before the creation of the world, God knew exactly how much you would have, and he apportioned it to you. So what are you going to do with it? You just don't get more. And people always say, well, when I, when I get more time, I'm going to do this. I'm sorry, that doesn't happen. No one writes time checks, right? We just can't do that. God has gifted you with time, a finite resource. And a schedule is an intelligent plan for how to use it faithfully. That's all it is. It's not there to, ruin, to, to run your life. It's how you say, this is how I believe God wants my life to run. Because everything you do costs seconds. Everything costs seconds. So how are you going to spend those? 
and you can spend them intelligently, which will make them more effective and help you do things, or you can just let them just run out and just see where they go. And so by scheduling, we have the ability to take our moments and the time that God has given us and to make that time rich, to invest it in important things so it doesn't just run away. That's refreshing. But by doing that, we're going to find that, that when we live intelligently, that we find that there are less crises and we live with less panic because we get overbooked less often. And we have the freedom and the bandwidth to live according to the priorities that God has given us. So our lives are not squandered, just surviving. So how do you make a schedule? Well, I was really bad at this, as I was with budgeting, too, at first, by the way. This church is amazing. You didn't fire me right off the bat. You guys are awesome. And I got to go and take a lot of time management courses and learn. I got people that would help me and, and learn how to make schedules. And here's uh, some things that I learned with it, that, that a schedule is what we call a zero budget, which means that all the income you get has to be accounted for somehow. It's every second that you have in the morning is spent by the end of the day, Right? So a, a, a schedule accounts for all of those. It just says, this is where they're going to go. This is where I want them to go. And then when you have crazy things in your life that happen, that interrupt that, then you're able to work around it. So intelligent, you say, what are the things that need to get moved so that way all of my time is spent in good things? So you have 24 hours a day. So as we make a schedule, you schedule for 24 hours a day because you exist for 24 hours a day. And the first thing that we want to do when we make a budget is figure out where is your time going? And you might be shocked by where your time is going. You might think, I don't have time. And then you realize, oh, I really actually have a lot more time than I thought. I was just squandering it. So how do you do that? Well, there was a time management guru by the name of uh, Stephen Covey. And uh, he came up with some really good things and a, an incredible tool, which I use. And actually, I use every single year as I go out on a full spiritual retreat. And I look at my time again and how am I spending it. And I want to share it with you. It's something that's very, very helpful. And it's called his four quadrants. Basically, you take a box, and for me, I take a big box, a big piece of paper, and I cut it in half, or I cut that box in half. And one side are, is urgent. These are all the things in my life that uh, are, have to be handled. Like, when I'm spending my time, I'm doing it because it's time-sensitive, right? There are, there are important things that have to happen right now, okay? And on the other side are the non-urgent things, the stuff that I spend my life doing that, if it happened right now, it's great, but if it doesn't, no big, no big deal, right? It's not time sensitive. And then, because these are quadrants, right? I don't just, I bifurcate it again along the other axis, and then the top part is everything that's important. These are things, if they don't get done, either something really good doesn't happen, or something bad does happen, or both. So think of that like paying your taxes, right? Good to pay your taxes. If you do, who knows? You may get money back, or at least you don't go to jail. That would be the bad thing. If it's bad, right? On the bottom part, it's the non-important stuff. These are the things that take your time that you're doing that really, if you didn't do it, nothing bad's going to happen, okay? So then you look at your time and you look at, you talk to that, that first box and you say, okay, if something is urgent, it means it has to happen right now, it's time sensitive, I've got to get it done and it's really important if I don't do it, right? That's a crisis, right? Everything we do in that box is what I call firefighting. And not just me, Stephen Covey calls it firefighting. So I'm just going to take his words. So I think it's like, literally, your kitchen is on fire. That is an urgent and an important task. Put out the fire, right? 
Or it could be if you're a student, I got to get my paper turned in tomorrow because if I don't get my paper turned in, I fail, right? But I didn't do it, so now I got to get it done. That's really, really important. They're crises, right? Urgent and important things, stuff you didn't have planned, all of a sudden intrude your life. That's going to be where it is. So this quadrant is deadline driven, right? You have time, you have, you have a deadline, you got to get things done by this point, right? And there's some stress there. It's uh, filled with uh, pressing problems and crises and things like that. And, and it's impossible to live in this world without having anything in that box. Okay? That's just what happens. Sometimes people die. Some, right? That, that's, that happens. Sometimes there's crises. So we're going to have to spend some time in that. But if you spend most of your time in that, it, it results in a lot of stress and a lot of burnout. Because your body's like always up. Like this is survival mode, right? The, the house is burning down. Let's put it out. That's that box. Next to it is we have things that are important still, but they're not urgent. If it doesn't quite happen now, it's okay, but it's still important to do. And, and so we'll call that the, the box, the, the, the quality time box. Right? This box, instead of being deadline-driven, it's priority-driven. We're spending time there doing what we know is important. As a true to what God tells us are, are his values and things like this, this is where we get to live the most important things, right? We're doing important stuff, but there's not, it's not because we have to, it's because we want to. How fun is that? And because of this, this is the box of prevention. You see, if, if you change your oil regularly in this box like if you miss an oil change no big deal but you miss enough of those all of a sudden you're going to spend some time in box number one because your car broke down but if you if you spend some time in box number two and say you know what, i'm going to schedule an oil change well all right that's pretty good or, or you spend some time in box number two and you go get your physical and you go do that you might spend less time in box number one where you you know have a health crisis Right? Or you spend some time in box number two where you're like, you know what, I'm going to work ahead on an assignment, I'm going to do my reading, I'm going to do research, I'm going to study. Then you don't have to stay up all night the night before because i got to get this done. Right? This is the, the, the box of quality time. And so uh, this box, when we live in there, it, it leads to uh, fewer crises, but it also leads to more peace because you know things are handled. Your life is, is happening according to what you want it to do. You're living your priorities. It's a very fulfilling way to live. And, and not only that, it leads to greater contentment and therefore satisfaction in life. And you're not going to feel hurried and rushed all the time. This is a great box. And, uh, and so that's, that's, our, that's our second box. Now, if we go category down from that, we have the exact opposite. We have things that are urgent. Man, they have to happen right now. But ultimately, it's not important. These are things that they don't happen. There's nothing really great that's going to happen, you know, if you miss it or if you do it. There's nothing really bad that's going to happen if, if you don't do it. This is something like this. Like, back in the day, they used to have TV shows that, like, you had to watch when they came on. You're like, i got to watch the show. You're like, well, what happened if you missed it? Nothing. Right? This, this is the, the area of distraction. This is somebody calling you up and you're, like, taking your time. This is, this is the era of, of like, Stupid meetings, like if you have a, at work and everybody wants to have a meeting right now, but what do you do? Nothing. Would anything bad happen? if it wasn't? This is the area of just, you're just being distracted. It's taking you away from your priorities. And I think a lot of us spend a lot of time in this particular box. And you know, it's not just us. We have a really great example in scripture of somebody who found themselves in box number three, spending her time there. There's a gal named Martha. You see, uh, Jesus was going to, he was God, right? Came to earth. 
put on flesh, thorny teaching, and made friends with Martha, her, her sister Mary, brother Lazarus. They got to be friends with God. How cool is that? And, and Jesus says, hey, I'm going to show up your place. And so he does. And he's teaching and all this. And Martha is around, you know, doing all this important stuff that has to get done right now. Right? She's trying to, to get the table set and make the olive loaf and all that kind of stuff, doing all the things. And Mary, if you can believe it, sat down at the feet of Jesus and listened to him teach. And Mary, in this box, agrees. She's like, what are you doing? And she goes to Jesus and says, hey, can you believe this? What is she doing? Here on doing all this stuff. And she is just sitting here listening to you. And this is what Jesus says to her. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, important. Indeed, only one. And Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary chose something that was not urgent, but was very important, to listen to God while he was there. Right? It was, it was a big deal. And Martha was doing all the urgent things, but ultimately, do you remember what Martha made for dinner that night? No one does. Father was delicious. But at the end of the day, she chose to be in that third box, the box of distraction. And Jesus lovingly reminded her, you don't have to live there. A lot of us are Martha. We do things out of obligation, right? So you have the first boxes, we're there, and our motivation is, is we have deadlines, and the second one is that we're living our priorities. The third one is the box of obligation. I'm doing things because I feel like I have to. Why? Have you ever thought, why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Am I doing this because it's actually important, that it's actually helping me live my priorities or live the way that God wants me to do? Or am I doing these things because I feel these false pressures from all these other people to do something? I just feel like I need to. But if you take a step back, it's like, really? not that important these are the good things that we talked about last week that the devil will crush you by this is the box where he fills your life with these good tasks because he can't draw you away in temptation and he will just crush you with so much in this particular area and if you live in this just like mary you're going to be a couple things you're going to be frustrated right because you're not living your priorities right you're going to feel like i know what i want to do but i keep getting these things in my way and i just have to do them and because we don't take a step back and think, do I really have to? We, we just run our lives and run ourselves into the grave busy. And we're frustrated. And we feel victimized by this world that just keeps adding these awful things to me. Never making progress when we want. So we become discouraged and sometimes just even depressed. We don't want to live much of our life in box number three. But it takes a time to really think through, why am I doing what I'm doing? To realize that that's where we're at. Now, of course, here's the fourth box. And this is uh, the box which is just non-urgent. doesn't really have to happen. And that's important. And we recognize if things don't happen, it doesn't matter. And, we, and that's just time-wasting. Right? Yay, time-wasting. Right? And this is escape-driven. It's not priorities-driven. It's not deadline-driven. It's not obligation-driven. We don't do this because we feel like we have to. It's just we want to escape. We feel... So exhausted by the busyness and everything in life, we just want some time away. And so we run out into this. And these are things that are, are activities that just distract us that from reality. They just waste time. They're like going on to social media and letting it suck away our, our lives. 
and we don't even know why we do it. We just do it because we want to check our brain off, right? That's why we do it. Watching stupid TV shows that we really don't care about, right? We're just wasting time watching a bunch of sports. <laughs> right? Now, not everything that is in number four has to stay there. We'll talk about when we get to that third bucket, there might be some things that are in there that you love, but you give it a purpose and a place and you can move it into box number two because you are in control of it. And you're not escaping life, you're choosing to live life. But when we run into that and we live our life in, in box number four, we're being irresponsible. And because we're being irresponsible, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have more crises. So people who live in number four oftentimes go back between box number one and box number four. That's They bounce between the two. It's crisis. Ah! And because crisis is so bad, I got to escape. Because I escape too much, I don't take care of my life. There's more crisis. Ah! It's a never-ending perpetual cycle of misery. So every year, I go through and I look at how I spent my time. And I evaluate. And I put my time into those areas, and I think, well, what have I done in there? And then I, I begin to evaluate and then improve, right? That's, that's an important thing that we, we have to move to in life. And I'm going to have, Mike, you just forward my slide because it just doesn't want to go. Uh, but that as we go to that next level of, of evaluating, we, we look at those areas and we say, where is my time going? And then where do I want it to go? Now, a good goal in there is to go with uh, 80% of your time to be in that second box, right? That's where you want to move toward. If you can get about 80% of your time up into there, you're doing really, 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 really good, right? So if you're, most of your time is, is in, in that first quadrant, right? Here's what you need to do. Start planning ahead, right? If you're always in, in doing crisis mode and, and a, a bulk of your time is in there, then the problem is, is you're not thinking ahead. That's why you're having a lot of crises. Right? You're not pouring into relationships in advance. You have relational problems. You're not pouring into work in advance. You have work problems. Everything becomes a crisis. Your answer is to start planning ahead. And, you'll, and that's going into to putting stuff into that second quadrant. You're going to find you'll have less crises. It gets better. If you find that you're, you're quadrant three dominant, th then what you need to do is start paring down. You look at all the things that are sucking your time out, and you start to ask the question, is this really important? And if it's not, man, take the ax to that thing. Put it to death. It is... It is a leech on your life. And you, you recognize, you got to be brutal with those things. And you have to say, you know what? I feel false guilt on that. And that's exactly what it is, false guilt. And it's wasting the life that God has given me. And kill it, right? Cut it out of your life. Just be like, boom, kick it to the curb and tell it never come back. Right? This is what we do. And it's kind of nice after you do it a few times. You're like, I didn't need to do that anymore. Boom. That was an activity that wasn't important. Boom! All of a sudden, I have hours back in my life, and you feel powerful. It's good. Good. Right? Number four. If, if you are in that, and you're just escapism dominant, you've got to look at your priorities. Oftentimes, we escape life because we're not living life. We're running away from it because we don't even know what God wants. We don't have any purpose to move ahead, so we just move away. But you know that God has deep and profound purpose for you, he did not make you by mistake. If you want to know a miracle, look at yourself, because all of human history, and you can go to my office, and you can look at the history of the world, and all the wars, and the crazy things, and the famines, and all the crazy stuff, that your great, 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 great grandparents found each other, and somehow had, you know, their children eventually came down to you, is an absolute miracle. And the fact 
that God of the universe knew your name, and not only that, the number of breaths you would take in your life before the beginning of time, and it says he specifically crafted you for good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. You are designed for greatness. We don't live for that because sometimes we, we don't even know what he made me for. We don't have our priorities. We don't think about what God made me for. So if you're at number four, oftentimes say, we need to stop escaping and start living. And take a moment and say, what are the things that are important to God for me? What are important for me? And as we do that, then we go from big to small. Okay? Here's how we do it. Uh, Big to small, start with planning your schedule out in the year. Because you'll know there are going to be things that happen every year, like birthdays. Mary, there may be an anniversary that might be in there, Right? There might be particular things in your life you know in a year in advance, you look out. So what I do is every six months, like so in, in, in January, I started planning. I looked through from January to June, was already planned, but then I went from June to December. And all the things that I knew that were big, then I planned out. So I'm always six months to a year in advance, and I have the big things on my calendar, right? That's a big thing. And then in June, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to start looking, I'm going to review from June to December, and then I'm going to start planning January to June again, right? So I have those big things I know in advance. These are big things that are going to happen. But then at the beginning of, actually, I do it the last week of every month, I look at my next month. What am I going to do? What are the things that are going to happen? What are the meetings that I have to have? What are the appointments? How am I going to to show affection to my wife? How am I going to pour into my son? How am I going to make sure that I have my friendships and I'm connecting with them, right? How am I, I'm going to look at that month and make sure that there are things that my priorities are being lived out, right? And then at the beginning of every week, Sunday afternoon, I take a look at my schedule again for that next week. And I say, these are the stuff, things that have to happen. And then the beginning of every single morning, I have my cup of coffee and I look down and I say, these are the things that have to get done today. Guess what? Every time I do that, I I adjust and I change things because life is dynamic, but I live my priorities. It took me a long time to learn how to do that. Now, there's another way you also go big to small, and that's with this. You start with the most important thing first. Stephen Covey called it your big rocks or whatever, but the idea is the things that are the most priority, the things that are most valuable, the most important things. For, for example, if I neglect my relationship with God, right, it's not going to be crisis right now because I'm, I'm not having a heart attack right now, right? I'm not dying in a particular moment. So my relationship with him may not seem crisis, but if I neglect that because it's not crisis, then what I will find is the rest of everything in my life will have a, 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 a lousy trajectory because I'm not living connected to my creator, right? So the very biggest rock in my world is that I'm worshiping God, right? I have to make sure that I have time to connect with him and know who he is and to pray. Uh, another big rock in my thing is my time with my wife and with my son. Family matters. It's a high part of my first ministry. So, and I make sure that there are things that how I'm going to live that there are actually time in my schedule to love my family, which includes being there for dinner, right? It seems small, but it's important, and it's got to be in my schedule. And then beyond that, there are, you know, there are important things in the church that I need to do. The job is really important. The, the ministry is important. So I work through that, big to small. And after my big priorities are in there, I go smaller priorities. Now, I'm going to talk about this, tasks. Tasks are also important. They're not appointments. They're how the things that we need to get to done, to do. So you need to have a task list because there are stuff that you have to do, and a lot of us waste our time wondering, what do I do next? Because I know, because I was there. 
So here's how you make a task list. You start with the general task list, and you put on there the things you must do, the things that are good to do, put the things on there that are nice to do, just your entire task list. Here's my task list right here, right? I have all my stuff that I know I got to do, and I put it on there. And then what do I do is then I start to rank it. And oh, there you go. So I put on there, if it's something that I must do, it's an A. That has to get done today, right? That's something that's time sensitive. It's, I have to do. Then I have my things that are good to do. These are kind of planning ahead. I want to get done. That's, I put a B next to it. C next to the things that are kind of like, it would be really good if I got to, but it's not a real high priority right now, right? So I have my whole task list. I've got three one. This is my one for work, right? And then all of the A's I put on my calendar. I give them an actual time to deal with them. So if it's like call the doctor, I put a place on my calendar that day or that week to call the doctor, right? You put time on your calendar to do the things that you're supposed to do. The B's, I keep that list there. So wh when I, I get something done early or whatever, I have some, I have got a little bit of time. I just do the very first B. doesn't matter what it is. I just do that top one. Some people say I take the worst one and I swallow the frog or whatever. I just, for me, I just take the first one, whatever's there, the top B on my list, and then I, I get it done. And then as I get things done, I check them off my list. Now, the next day, I do my list daily. You might do yours weekly. doesn't matter. But I transfer my stuff over to another list the next day. So all the stuff that got checked off, which is so fun to check things off. Oh, I didn't realize the joy, the deep and abiding joy of checking things off. You will love it. But you just, it just goes away. It's done. So then the next day, you know what? You're good to do things might become must do things. So you move it over your, your list and you put it on your calendar and you give it time. You know, there are things in your calendar that were kind of nice to do. Maybe now they're kind of good to do. I'd like to get those done, a little more priority, and to make sure that I get those done. And then you're going to have new tasks, right, that something came up. And maybe that new task is a must-do today. That's okay. Put it on your calendar. Make sure you have time for it, right? If it's a, if it's a the B-level one, it's a good-to-do thing. You just put a B next to it, and as you get through the day and you have a little extra time, you can work on it and get it done. That's the power of a task list. And I'll tell you, it doesn't have to be fancy. You look at this. Does this look fancy to you? This does not look fancy to anybody, but it is powerful. It gets it done. And you say, Aaron, that's such a small task list. Mine would be massive. I know. When I first started, I had to buy a book. I kid you. Amy, will. I had a book. Right? It was going through. It was overwhelming. But as you begin to work through life, things get done. And so there's less little bugs to squish. I also got better at evaluating my tasks because there are a lot of tasks that are urgent but not important. Right? And you're able to say, nah, I don't really need to do that. And so then I could cross it off and know that I chose not to do that. It's pretty fun. So as we do that, then you reevaluate your next day. You begin that next day and you, and you start living it. Now, let's talk about some, uh, some truths about this. This is a habit that's going to take some time. You're going to stink at it at first. If you've never made a schedule, you're going to be awful. And think about that. You're awful at everything you tried the first time, right? When you first started to walk, you fell down all over the place, right? Started to ride a bike, you were like horrible, right? Just the way that it is. When you started learning how to talk, you couldn't make full sentences. But look at you now. Here's the thing. You're going to start and you're going to be awful at it. Don't be discouraged. Just keep learning it. You're making progress. So work through that. And you're going to get better and better and better. And the better you get, the better your time will be managed. And once you get good enough with your schedule, one of the first things I want you to put on it is your Sabbath. 
because God says without a Sabbath, you're going to end up dry and dead. That's how you afford a Sabbath. Because in six days, all your work got done. So the seventh day, you could remember it and keep it fresh. And this is why a Sabbath is refreshing, is because the first thing is it's honoring to our Creator. He told us to do it. And when we live in communion with God, let's not forget that He is the vine and we are the branches. And apart from Him, we can't do anything. With Him, God can do all things. God refreshes. God works in faithfulness. So you're honoring God. It's an amazing thing. It's a miraculous thing. But when you start taking a Sabbath, you will find a refreshing in your soul and in your life that you would never have experienced anywhere else. It's also refreshing because it honors our design. It's telling God, okay, you told us to do that for our benefit. And so I actually am resting. I'm like a battery that is actually going to be recharged. And what do you know? I'll have more energy. It's, it's refreshing that way. It just makes practical sense. It also frees you from slavery. God ties Sabbath in Scripture to the reality of his people that they're no longer slaves multiple times. He says that there's slavery and people who never take a Sabbath. They, are, they spend their entire life surviving. But you are not slaves. He did not set you free so that you could be in bondage. It says in Scripture that it was for freedom that Christ set you free. And when you begin to live in those six days of doing work, you're going to see God do more in your six days than any human could do in seven. That's the miracle of God. And it's refreshing. So, how do you take a Sabbath? Well, the first thing you do is you remember it. Don't forget, there's a day you're not supposed to work. All right? And then you keep it. You put it on your calendar and you keep it whole. You guard it. And there was times in our lives that we, Amy and I had to make really hard choices. Like there were sporting events that my son was supposed to go to, but it was on a Sabbath. And we're like, sorry, we're keeping this day holy. God is more important. He is the bigger priority. Right? There are things that we had opportunity to do. But because it was on our Sabbath, we had to say, sorry, we can't do it that day. There's, you have to keep it holy and guard it. But when you do, God honors you. And he does amazing things. So you adjust everything around your Sabbath. You plan around it, right? You plan family events around it. My family constantly is trying to plan things on our Sabbath. And we're like, you guys are work, right? So we're going to take that day, and then we're going to be with you, right? You have to keep it holy. Schedule around it. And here's the thing. On the Sabbath, don't work. What does that mean? Does it mean you can't push an elevator button? No. What it does mean is that you don't do things that are to be productive, you do things that are refreshing. If you're doing something productive, it might be doing work at advance or maybe you're, maybe you're doing honeydew lists or things around the house. Stop being productive. Take a day you're not productive. Your value is more than what you produce, right? God wants you to enjoy the richness of life. So maybe it's reading a book or having a nice conversation or enjoying a nice cup of tea or going out on a walk and enjoying nature. Maybe it's playing golf. Who knows what it is? As long as it's not productive, you're free to do it. Enjoy life. That gets you into that second area of ministry. Sabbath is ministry. It's a testimony to yourself and the world, the reality of who God is. You're investing your life into him. It's a pretty cool thing. But there's a third bucket. This is a bonus for you. And I always tell you, I'm in three buckets every week, right? But this is the fun one. And that's from rest and relaxation. So once you have your survival, you have everything you're supposed to do is taken care of. And you're resting like God told you to do. You know that you're going to have some time left over. God will honor that. He wants you to have a rich, full life and to enjoy it. 
right? It, it helps us remind us we're not slaves. That God didn't put us on this world just to be miserable. It's not just like we're supposed to wake up and then work and then go back to bed. And then on the, sixth, on the seventh day, we're supposed to then wake up and be like, I guess I can't work. That's not how it is. There's a lot of things that we could spend our life doing that are actually fun, enjoyable, good. Can you imagine? And rest and relaxation is about that. And so uh, this is how we, we do that. The first thing to do is, is recognize that it is an important part of our life, that God, uh, it's, a, it's part of our testimony. If Christians are always out there just moping around like, well, now I only have six days to do seven days worth of pagan stuff, and I'm so busy that I just sleep and work, and rah, 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 right? That's not a good testimony. Our God set us free. He loves you. He calls you his child. And when you're able to engage in the richness and the fullness of, of life that he's made you to, you're able to do all of not just the good works, but enjoy the good life he's set before you. And that joy that comes from that is a testimony to the rest of the world that maybe there's a different way because the devil is a taskmaster. And, and our Lord is so much kinder. So it's not just resting, sleeping. It's enjoying life. Ecclesiastes, Holy Spirit tells us this. It says, so I commend the enjoyment of life. Because there's nothing better for a person under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days the life that God has given them under the sun. You know that God wants you to not be miserable? God is good. And that's what this is, is to enjoy life. It's to go and to enjoy your friends and your family and to have time for them. And have time doing the things that bring you happiness and joy as well. And so how do you do it? Well, the first thing you do is you take care of your major responsibilities. You need your survival. You need ministry has to be there. You can't rest and refresh if you have responsibilities there that haven't been taken care of. If you're not getting your work done in six days, then it's probably not the best time to start taking R&R, right? You need to schedule your time so you have time for rest and relaxation. And you don't take it away from your Sabbaths. In fact, you're going to use your Sabbaths for rest and relaxation. You're going to do a lot of it there. But you can't replace one with the other, right? You you make sure that your obligations are taken care of first, your responsibilities, and then you put it and make it a priority. So this is what I do, is I put on my schedule. Like, there are things every year that I want to do to just enjoy life. And so the, sometimes they're the bigger things. Maybe it's taking a little vacation, going out and playing, something big. Right? Every month, there are going to be some things that I'm doing that I just enjoy. Maybe I get to go to a gun range and, and, and do that. I, I think that's a lot of fun. Maybe it's uh, going and, and having uh, lunch with a good friend or something like that. But I make sure that there's something in my schedule to look forward to that I enjoy. And then every week, I have to do the same thing. Is there something this week that I'm doing that I enjoy that brings life and, and, and happiness to me, like that makes life rich? Maybe it's reading a new book or, or having a great conversation. It doesn't matter what it is. It matters it's something that I find filling, and I put time there for it. And then every day, the same thing. So for me, I like to watch comedians before I go to bed because it makes my life better because life is ridiculous and they get it, right? So I put it on my schedule. There it is. I have comedian time. Whatever it is for you, take some time and put it on your schedule. So that's practical stuff, wasn't it? But you can do it. You're going to stink at it, but you're going to do it. And as we do it, you're going to find that God gives you the ability then to practice the next two weeks that we're going to be talking about, how to bring fulfillment and refreshment in other areas of your life well. So uh, what I want us to do is just go back to our connection cards. There's some next steps in this. These are practical service series. Uh, They're going to be practical next steps, some things that I want you to do. (laughs) 
And I see that there was a funny typo on mine, so I'm just going to go through that. Uh, the first one is, uh, I want you to memorize Exodus 31, 17. Remember that this is God's design, because the devil's going to make you uh, guilty. He's going to make you feel guilty for not being a slave, but you're not under his employee anymore. So memorize that passage and realize that God was refreshed on this. This is how he designed us to be. And when you start to feel guilty, you say, ah, 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 devil. On six days, the Lord made the heavens on the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested. And guess what? He was refreshed. Take some time. The second one, it says on there, I don't know if it's on your card, if it's caught there, but my notes, they start shedding. Please don't do that. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. What I meant to say there is start scheduling. Start scheduling. Maybe it's shedding off the bad things in your schedule. That's just hilarious. Start scheduling. Make a schedule. Try it out. Next one, keep the Sabbath holy. If you're going to keep the Sabbath holy, make sure that you're already scheduled and you're doing that so that way you can. The last one is to learn to relax. Find something in your life you enjoy so you can put it in your life again so that you can live the good and the rich and the joyful life that God has called you. All right, that's my time. I'm going to pray for you. I want you to make these commitments, and then we're going to have the, uh, the ushers going to come forward and collect those connection cards. I want you all to put those in the offering baskets along with your uh, with your prayer requests because we pray for you along with your tithes and your gifts as well all right so let's uh, let's pray and let's let god work amongst us father god thank you for your goodness your kindness your richness your mercy your love god that you have given us these lives not to be a just toil but you've come in the midst of this world to give us purpose and meaning and joy that god you have so much more for us than the lies of the devil who makes us nothing more than a slave of survival and then ultimately at the end we all die anyway but instead you've given us eternal life and new life and not just for the hereafter but for the here and now that you allowed us to come into this world and live abundant life full to show the world the goodness of who you are so father we come with a faithful heart saying we want to taste and see how good you are by our faithfulness we come to you and say do more father in our time than we've been able to do on our own that we give you all of our time and in the six days lord i pray that you would do more than any pagan could do in seven but father i pray on that seventh day you would refresh us and make us whole teach us how to live the better way but we commit ourselves and these things to you we pray in jesus name amen